Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson. You're listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It is second Monday in the day after a holiday. And I hope you're surviving your Thursday. And I hope you didn't spend too much of your pioneer day watching the seven and a half hours of the Mueller hearing. Uh, we'll try to give you a snapshot. Yeah, it's one of those that I think uh, no minds were really changed. I don't think the needle was moved anywhere. Uh, there are some interesting uh, subplots that uh, that we're going to break down as we go through the rest of the day today. We will be joined at 105 today by uh, Representative Chris Stewart, who was part of one of those hearings yesterday. Had some uh, an interesting line of questions uh, for uh, Mr. Mueller that I, I think are definitely worth exploring. So we'll talk to him about that coming up at 105. Uh, I'm also going to be joined a little later on today at uh, 205 by uh, Russell Berman. He's a writer for The Atlantic, and uh, he also poses some very interesting questions that I think uh, apply to everybody in Congress uh, as it relates to these kinds of hearings, what we get out of them and and what we don't. So let's just do a a quick breakdown. If you uh, were blessed enough yesterday to completely ignore it uh, and move on, uh, let's let's get to the real things. And I I actually want to start with the uh, opening testimony of Robert Mueller, where I think he was trying to remind everyone before we set out on the sea of seven and a half hours of inquiry, what really matters with where we are today. Here's what he had to say. Over the course of my career, I've seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's efforts to interfere in our election is among the most serious. And I am sure that the committee agrees. All right. So I think that's the first and most important thing we all need to to remember today, regardless of whether you think that this is a witch hunt, whether you think this is high crimes and misdemeanor that are deserving of impeachment or anywhere along the spectrum. I think the most important thing for all of us to keep in mind is that our election system is under attack and it's not just the Russians. It's a host of other countries as well who have followed and recognized the Russian model worked. And if nothing else, it has undermined the confidence and the trust that the American people have in government, in elections, and I think sadly in each other. And we'll break that down a little bit more uh, as we go along. But I do think it was very important for Mr. Mueller to begin the day by reminding everyone that the most important thing is that we do have a real and present danger and threat 
to our democracy and our elections, primarily coming from the Russians, but a host of other nations as well. Uh, of course, that immediately drifted uh, to the partisanship on both sides, uh, starting with President Trump, who immediately weighed in on what many called a, a halting and a little bit of a rocky performance uh, by uh, Mr. Mueller. This was one of the worst performances in the history of our country. Okay, so the president obviously was was quick to jump on the fact that uh, there there wasn't a lot for uh, for Mr. Mueller to work from or work on. Uh, he continued on by saying this. Mueller had no material to work with, and he did a horrible job. Obviously, his presentation was way off, but that's okay. It didn't matter. He had no material. Okay, so again, the president kind of uh, spiking the ball on his end, saying, hey, nothing happened, nothing moved, nothing to see here. We can all just keep moving along. Uh, but I, I do think there is is one uh, one thing that the president said that I think is is really interesting and important, and that is dealing with this whole idea of exoneration. People mentioned exoneration. That was something where he totally folded because he never had the right to exonerate. Okay, and we're going to break this part down. Um, and we're going to break this down when we get to our interview at the uh, top of the 2 o'clock hour with, with uh, Russell Berman. Uh, and that is this ability to exonerate. Uh, it really isn't in the uh, special counsel's office purview to declare or exonerate or any of those things. And so I do think the president was right on that particular issue that, yeah, he doesn't that's not in his wheelhouse. That's not in his area of responsibility or delegated authority. And we, we saw, again, both sides swinging wildly of what that means, what that doesn't mean. Uh, and who gets to do that? And it really isn't the special counsel who who gets to make that call or uh, to go down that path. And so that's a. An interesting one to, to look at, as I mentioned, we'll have uh, Russell Berman joining us a little later on today uh, talking about that interesting piece he wrote for The Atlantic today. All right. Uh, I want to jump down now to uh, something from uh, this from Representative Schiff. Yeah. Uh, so now we'll get into the real partisan component to the story. And this is uh, Representative Schiff, who heads the committee. Uh, and where he tried to take uh, Mr. Mueller in terms of his testimony. Listen to this. Mike Flynn lied? Uh, he was convicted of lying, yes. George Papadopoulos was convicted of lying? True. Paul Manafort was convicted of lying? True. Paul Manafort was, in fact, went so far as to encourage other people to lie? That is accurate. Manafort's deputy, Rick Gates, lied? That is accurate. Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, was indicted for lying? True. He lied to stay on message with the president? Allegedly by him. And when Donald Trump called your investigation a witch hunt, that was also false, was it not? I'd like to think so, yes. Okay, so there's uh, there's Representative Schiff uh, taking uh, Mr. Mueller down a line of questioning. And, and the questioning there is very clear. The people that surrounded the president, there are a number of them that uh, have been convicted or are serving prison time or, or have been uh, reprimanded in some way, shape or form for lying. Uh, and that was clearly where he was trying to go with this. And uh, to me, to me, the questions, again, on both sides just really did not move the needle. And the biggest reason for that is that neither side, even though even though that those are chambers filled 
filled with all kinds of people who are attorneys, who are lawyers, who have experience in prosecuting, and they just can't resist the rant. They just can't do it. If they were smart, they would have forced Mr. Mueller to answer many more questions. And again, whether you're on the Democratic side of this argument or the Republican or wherever you are, it, it doesn't matter. Both sides did a horrible job of actually trying to get to the truth, which is what their job is. And that's what that's what struck me hardest yesterday in the testimony and the hearing uh, that I watched was I just started wondering, is anybody interested in the truth? Does anybody really want to find out what happened? Does anyone really want to get us in a better position so we don't have to deal with this again in the future? Or is everybody out for their own social media moment? Is everyone just going to create some meme or some short video or something they can post on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter where they can raise money for their political campaign? Or do we want to get to the truth? And and maybe it goes back to that old movie line, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> I think we can. I think the American people can always handle the truth. And we just need to serve it up. But the members of Congress just refused to do the process right. They were just so concerned they weren't going to get their pithy little line in that some staffer wrote that they weren't willing to ask a legitimate question and listen to a legitimate response. And that's where I think the hearings broke down yesterday. And there's a host of things that we can argue and that we can extrapolate and that we can move through. And again, most people, however they, whatever opinion they had rolling in to the hearings yesterday, I think is the same opinion they took out of the hearings yesterday. Uh, and today it's just more and more of the same. And, and so, again, whether you're on the Trump side of the ledger or you're on the Democrat side of the ledger or somewhere in between, I would hope that America, as Americans, we can get to the truth side of the ledger because that is the only thing that matters. And that is the only thing that can unite us as a country moving forward. All right, don't go anywhere. Uh, when we come back from our top-of-the-hour news break, Representative Chris Stewart, who was in the hearing, who had a chance to ask some questions, will join us. We'll go down to his interesting line of questions right here on KSL News Radio. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Stay with us on Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson. It's the extended version of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today when we will pass the baton to the great uh, Jeff Kaplan, who will safely navigate you home. Uh, as we were talking before the break, a little a little breakdown uh, on the proceedings yesterday in uh, two separate House hearings uh, with uh, Mr. Mueller and uh, interesting lines of questions and uh, very pleased to be joined now on the program by Representative Chris Stewart. Representative Stewart, thanks for joining us today. 
It's an honor to be with you, Boyd. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, a few things going on there in Washington, I know. I understand uh, we've got a budget uh, vote coming up here shortly as well. Uh, but wanted to get your take uh, on the hearing yesterday. You were part of that hearing. Uh, tell us a, a little bit, because I, I found your line of questioning of Mr. Miller both interesting and really important on some uh, components to all of this that I don't think we're, we've really been focused on properly. So give, give us your thinking and your line of questioning from yesterday's hearing. Well, I mean, just overall impressions from the hearing were... Um, yeah, I'm afraid some of my Democratic colleagues built this up to where it was like, hey, we've had the Mueller report, but most Americans haven't read it, and it's uh, long and complicated, and we're going to do the movie version, and it's going to dazzle them, and everyone's going to come away thinking, oh, my gosh, we have to impeach the president and start impeachment by Thursday. And it would, just was never going to happen. There, there, Boyd, there just isn't any more new information that can come out of this. This thing has been investigated for three years. Mm-hmm. House Intelligence Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee, the FBI and DOJ, and now Mr. Mueller have all completed extensive investigations. And we haven't learned anything new for a long time. And I think to have created the impression that by having Mr. Mueller come before the committees that we were going to have some dramatic moment, I just don't think it was realistic. Yeah, And, and that's why I think... Uh, I mean, most of the people after watching them, uh, you know, you, 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 I think there's a bit of sympathy for Mr. Moore in the sense that yes. he, he just didn't seem to be on his game uh, like a lot of people expected. And, and, and in some ways, not the Mr. Moore that we've come to expect from his long life of service. And, and, and so emotions about that, uh, all the way to emotions from, you know, some, like, again, some of my Democratic colleagues who were just, very disappointed that they didn't get that one dramatic moment. But at this point, it just kind of is what it is. Right. And I did find that interesting, too, that there was such a, a buildup uh, from from those on the left in terms of what this was going to be or expose. As you said, it was going to be the, the movie version that everyone was going to rave about and, and impeachment would start right away. Uh, and, and I've been talking a lot today and, and over the last week, really, in terms of the the trust that the American people have in our leaders in Washington and in, in other big institutions. And and you raised a line of questioning around the leaks uh, relating to it and how that undermined the trust and confidence of the American people. Speak to that uh, for us, will you? Yeah, and, and I, want to, I want to say from the beginning that I supported Mr. Mueller's investigation. In fact, I was the first individual on the, on the House Intelligence Committee to call for a special counsel. I just felt like the investigations in the Congress and the Senate had become so politicized that it was going to be impossible to reach a conclusion that the American people would accept. Yeah. And, and I think that was true. If, if for the Republicans to come out and say, we found no evidence of collusion, that was fine for us, and it turns out it was true. But the fact that we did it through the Congress, it would have been part, it was viewed as partisan, and half of America didn't believe us. So we needed Mr. Moore, and we needed his investigation. But as I said to him during the hearing, the integrity of the investigation is measured by, by, uh, by some of the actions of the investigation that are apparent to the American people. And one of the things we've been clearly concerned about for well, nearly the entire time of, the, of Mr. Mueller's special counsel, and that was the leaks that were coming out. They started within a few weeks of, of the inception of the special counsel. They continued right up to just a few a few months ago. And, boy, the point is, is that of these 25 identified leaks, every single one of them were harmful or embarrassing to the president, and not a single one of them 
for example, it was never leaked that the, that they had found no evidence of collusion. It was never leaked that they determined that the Steele dossier was just political hackery. It was never leaked anything positive towards the administration. It was all embarrassing and negative. And, and I just felt like Mr. Mueller needed to answer that question. Are you aware that these leaks were taking place? Because surely you were. And more importantly, did you do anything to, to stop them? Did you do anything to identify those people who were talking to the media when they should not have been? And I think that's a, that was a fair question. And a lot of Americans, to your point, Boyd, about having faith in institutions, they're willing to accept a conclusion if they view the process as being fair. Yes. And for Mr. Mueller, it was so important for him to keep and maintain this, uh, this persona of fairness, and this endangered that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's so vital for, for all of us to keep in mind that, uh, you know, that leaks of any kind that undermine the credibility, the, the American people can deal with, we can deal with it. We can deal with, with crisis, tragedy, we can deal with all kinds of things uh, if we just know and have confidence that we, that we actually have the, the truth. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've got Representative Chris Stewart joining us from Washington, D.C., in between a, a very busy and hectic day uh, to do a, a quick recap of uh, his part in the hearings yesterday. And one of the things that came out yesterday, Representative, was uh, obviously it was it was not a great day for Mr. Mueller. Uh, some people started to, to question, you know, his did he really have his hand on the wheel, so to speak, uh, in in terms of this, you mentioned these different leaks that came out, all very negative towards President Trump. Um, is there any sense or was there any shift in thinking in terms of who was really driving this, particularly in the latter stages of the investigation? Yeah, you know, but I don't know the answer to that question, although I think it, I honestly think it's a fair question. It's something that I began to, to wonder myself as I, as I had a chance to engage with Mr. Moore. Uh, you know, I think that uh, his deputy, the individual that was sitting next to him yesterday, who acted as his chief of staff, you know, clearly had uh, a lot of influence on the investigation. And that would have been true regardless of Mr. Mueller's involvement. Sure. He could have been an incredibly active leader or not an active leader. And he still, we know, would have relied on this other individual. And then the other one was Mr. Weisman, who you know, has a reputation being a, a, a hyper-aggressive uh, prosecutor and someone that we've known for the entire entire time that the special counsel has been operating, you know, he was uh, one of the leaders and, and one of the, uh, you know, the real drivers behind what they were doing. But um, again, I've been asked that by a number of people. And uh, and just in fairness to Mr. Mueller, I'm not sure that I can speculate. And I also don't want to disparage his efforts yeah. by saying, well, he was obviously not involved. And because I, I don't know that we know that's true. Although yesterday it, it would indicate that he didn't have the depth of knowledge of his own investigation that he would have you know, you would have expected. Yeah. Uh, just a, a couple minutes left here, and I want to I want to get two parts in here. One, uh, just in terms of the path forward, what's uh, what is your sense from your Republican colleagues there? Uh, what are you sensing from the Democrats? Uh, obviously, they had a vote last week uh, in terms of impeachment that uh, only garnered about 80 votes or so. Uh, I don't think anybody got moved in terms of uh, increasing that number. Where do they go? Uh, where does the country go from here? Well, um, I mean, uh, my sense is, and this is backed up with, you know, m- multiple polls that show the American people are tired of it, they're exhausted by it, and they have lost interest in, and have come to the conclusion there's nothing there that's impeachable. And uh, and I think many, many of our Democratic friends feel the same. I mean, I think one of the big winners yesterday, ironically, was Nancy Pelosi, because the one thing she wants more than anything else in this world 
is to continue to be the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. And uh, she knows that if they proceed on impeachment, that's in great jeopardy. I think it's in jeopardy either way. But if she allows the extreme left and the progressive in her party to move on impeachment, it almost guarantees that she loses that job because they will lose the House. And President Trump will, would, in my opinion, almost certainly be reelected because the American people have a sense of fairness about them. At the end of the day, they say there's nothing there. Mr. Mueller looked at this for two years. The others looked at it. There's nothing there. And, and I think the, the majority of, of Democrats here in the House I realize that. And I think this is perhaps the last nail in that coffin. But as I said to a friend of mine who is, uh, who is you know, very progressive, I, yesterday I said, hey, knock yourself out. Please keep talking about it. Uh, nothing is better for our party and our reelection efforts than you guys talking about impeachment. And I, and I just think that's a, I just think that's a fair observation. I think that's that's entirely true. Yeah. All right. Just uh, one. I want to give one quick minute. Uh, next week, uh, you will host here in Salt Lake uh, your annual security conference, uh, which I think is one of the real important discussions that needs to be had in the country. Can you give us just a a, a quick taste uh, of what we can expect yeah. for next week? Yeah, well, thank you so much for letting me mention that very quickly. So we hold, host this annually. We've had you know, some of the real leaders in national security and, and State Department and others. We've got the principal deputy director from the DNI, who is essentially the CEO of the entire national security apparatus, again, the director of national intelligence. Uh, Kevin McCarthy will be with our, a good friend of mine, the ambassador from the Kurdistan region in Iraq, who is just a fascinating story about the Kurds and the Peshmerga, who are our closest allies in the region. Uh, some people from Voice of America. I mean, it, it is a fascinating conversation. It, it's free, of course, uh, open to the public. We'd invite people uh, to come and join us. You can find out about it at steward.house.gov, and we'd, we'd love to welcome everyone who's interested to come join us. For and it's uh, next Friday, August 2nd. All right. should be a, a fascinating event, as it always is. We look forward to uh, catching up with you on that uh, next week. Important uh, national security conversation, and, for sure. And, Boyd, you're going to join us. You're, you're, you're participating as one of our uh, one of our moderators on the panel. I'm going to ask real hard questions to really smart people. That's oh, my favorite yeah. thing. Thank you so much <laughs> for your help on this. All right. Thanks. Representative Chris Stewart, uh, thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources. Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to pick up with uh, Andy Field, our colleague at ABC, Talking about uh, a block of President Trump's uh, plan to deny asylum uh, to people coming into the United States. So stay with us. This is Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. We'll be right back.